Welcome to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a top-tier commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme, and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I do personal PR for business leaders and entrepreneurs. I also run a PR training firm called Nine Media. If you like this podcast, please do tell your colleagues, share on social and rate it. That's how others find it. Welcome to episode three of the Media Insider. This month I'm joined by Ella Dove, the commissioning editor for Red, Good Housekeeping and Prima which are all Hearst titles. She's also recently had her first book published, which is semi-autographical fiction about a girl who loses her leg. Um, before she was at Hearst, Ella was at Women's Weekly, where she worked her way up to be a writer, and then she did some editing there as well. So welcome, Ella. Thank Thanks you for joining much. me. Thank you. Um, so quite a big task you have, been commissioning editor of three titles. Mm. Now, can you run us through, just on a very top-line level, what the structure is of these three titles and perhaps what our audience is most interested in is the regular slots that you can pitch to. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can just go through each one by one and how they're, how they're structured. Of course, yeah. So they're all monthly titles. So every month for each we'll have a big meeting conference where uh, we bring ideas as a team and the editors will then choose from there what they like the look of. Um, obviously it's very seasonal, so month by month it, it really depends on what's going on. Um, for example, we're working on Christmas at the moment, so obviously everything's very festive. All the ideas have a Christmassy type theme. Um, we have a few regular slots that freelancers can pitch to. So in Good Housekeeping, um, it tends to be the sort of self-helpy type. Uh, it's called Inner You. So all that sort of mindfulness trends, things like that. Um, that's the same for Prima as well. Uh, also real life stories so we always love across Good Housekeeping and Prima strong real life stories about inspiring women Um, generally the demographic is 35 plus for Red it's a bit more fluid Um, happy to receive pictures on pretty much anything that that the red woman would be interested in. So the red woman's a little bit younger than Prima and GH. So we'd say probably like 30s, 40s. So any stories that would relate to perhaps family, motherhood, um, again, those sort of psychological thought pieces, anything they like, things that make them think. Because some that I some sections that I've found when I've been looking through the magazine, the section called "Woman on Top" is that a regular feature in red? Yeah, so that one is semi-regular. It's generally done in house. That one, um, and the same for Good Housekeepings. Uh, they have a section called "Women Who Lead," which is about women in business, and again, that's done in house too. Um, one thing that is always done in house are the real life lineup pieces so that's they're more for good housekeeping and prima where we have three or four women talking about a particular theme so it could be they started a new hobby or they overcome overcame a fear or you know did some sort of challenge so those ones are always always done in-house so but from a PR perspective I suppose they're quite good ones in that people who want to get their business mentioned they could put themselves forward for those yes, things definitely yeah they could prima have a slot called um ladies who launch which is a kind of grassroots business 
you know, the idea being you've a woman who sat around the kitchen table and had an idea and turned it into a reality. So we often plug businesses in that section. So that's a really good one. Yes, I have noted that one, uh, women who launch. That's a really good one. So what would be the difference, say, with women on top? Am I right in thinking that's C-suite level yeah. women running a business? Yes, generally higher level for that one. So, for example a kind of famous CEO, someone like that. Whereas Prima's one is much more starting out. Well, they could be established businesses, but they're not sort of famous. You know, they're not names people recognise necessarily. It's more about the interesting businesses. Yeah, the entrepreneurs, exactly. And you also have a, I know in this issue, in the September issue, you've got a section called How I Got Here. Is that a regular one? That's in red, yeah. That's a regular, that's every month. Um, again, that one, we tend to have different themes every month. So we like to involve women at all a- all areas of their career, from the kind of upper level management to the sort of starting out type people as well. So that one is quite broad um, and across all industries as well. Now, being an ex-journalist, I now look at the world through PR's eyes instead of the journalist eyes. And that is like sort of gold star for PR to get their business mentioned in a slot Mm. like that. So how do you go about finding them? Do people pitch to you or do you look for them? It really varies. Um, When we have emails from people, quite often I have a folder on my emails, as do all my colleagues, um, for all the different sections. So my emails is just made up of loads and loads of folders. And if uh, if a PR company sends me, pitches me someone from, you know, someone who started a business or someone who's in worked their way up in a, a particular industry, for example, like a STEM industry, we like to kind of promote those, those industries where it's quite male-dominated. So women rising to the top is obviously a really important thing to promote. So when I get those emails, I will tend to put them into the folder, obviously reply, say thank you very much we'll keep this on file um, and then it's kind of a case of as and when because it obviously depends on the mix of the magazine month to month what as to which sort of industry will include so I'll tend to keep them and then come back to people so it could be that I might not come back for a couple of months it, you know but it doesn't mean that I'm not interested it does it just means that I've kept it on file and that yeah. I will be in touch if an opportunity comes up. And that, I suppose, is one of the advantages of working on a monthly is that you have got time to reply. And that's, yes. I mean, that's music to my ears for <laughs> a former freelancer and a PR who's pitching all the time to editors and often doesn't get a reply. Mm. Another one I flagged up in Prima was Real Life Diary. So is that a regular one? No. No. So uh, we kind of have we have a we have real life every month. Um so the slug at the top of the page varies according to what the feature is. That one's not actually ringing a bell to be honest, but uh, it was um, a woman who was given her diary account of reducing her food waste. Okay, yeah. So we do do a lot of things like that. So that's kind of one standalone interesting story that we will have had as a one-off that month. It's quite sort of flexible the content. You know, it's not apart from the kind of front real life for women on a particular theme and also the ladies who launch Prima is well all of them are quite flexible in terms of of content and if we think it's something the reader will be interested in we will find a home for it somehow right okay again that's quite refreshing Mm because I'm a little bit obsessed with like learning the the sections of a magazine and and knowing you know okay this this is like a slot I'm going to pitch for this slot so when someone does pitch to you whether they're a PR or a freelancer does it help or hinder if they say this is a good story for women who launch or or is it better if they just give you an open pitch? 
Um, again, I think it varies. Like I say, there are some slots that are exactly the same month to month, but then there are some that aren't. So if it's a woman who's launched her own business, obviously you would pitch it for, you know, ladies who launch or one of the good housekeeping women who lead slots. So if it's something really specific like that, and it's really obvious to you which slot it would be, then obviously it's very useful to say that. If it's more something that would appeal to our readership, so say it's something a bit more vague, I don't know, a particular lifestyle trend that they might be interested in, then perhaps it might be good to say, this would appeal to your readers because, and just one line explaining why why you think it would be interesting to our readers. And then I can obviously go to my editor and then come back either way saying, yes, it would, you're right, or no, because of this. Yeah. And at what stage do all these stories get decided? So you have the monthly meeting and then presumably you have to run things by your editor as well. Mm. So what is the procedure? Is it monthly meeting happens and that's it? The content's decided? Not exactly. (laughs) So there's a lot of different stages. So I work in the features team. So the features team, as an example, will have a monthly meeting, which is the features team plus the features editor. So we have our intern, we have our features writers, me and the features editor and we will all take ideas which we will pitch to the features editor she will then choose which ones she thinks work best and from that she'll work up a list she will then have a meeting with the editor um, and then the editor will put together the flat plan of content. However, obviously, it is quite flexible. If something comes in in the meantime that's amazing and, you know, there will be room will be made for it. But generally, that's roughly how it works. And then the editor will uh, send around the flat plan, flat plan grid and then we'll all be assigned. So you're commissioning features. Mm. Obviously, the magazine's like most monthly magazines have a lot of review type stuff or listings you know product listings product recommendations Mm -hmm. and suggestions so is the commissioning for that totally separate yeah so I don't do that at all the gift guides things like that I get a lot of emails about gift guides I don't do the gift guides so that comes under the home and lifestyle team so the home editor um, and her deputy so they're a kind of completely separate team entertainment that's comes a bit more under features not me specifically but we have all of the magazines have entertainment pages for things like theater films you know places people can go um so that comes under us again not me specifically but different teams depending what it is because this is one of the common pitfalls of pr i think is that people lump features and reviews and all in the same boat so as a ex-freelance journalist I still get pitches for gift guides yeah. <laughs> and I've never written reviews in my life so yeah. that's interesting so it would be a home editor that they would that they would yeah so contact. for the Christmas gift guides for example that's the sort of main particularly for good housekeeping that's the main gift guide that we have every year but I mean obviously you know if you email we're not expecting every freelancer and every PR to know every single name of everyone in our building so you know if you email the wrong person it's fine we can pass it on to the right person we can point you in the right direction. Um, and what about like beauty products, clothes and things like that? The, does that go to the beauty editor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got features. We've got the fashion team, the beauty team, the homes team, the well cookery team in the case of Good Housekeeping. Um, and obviously the Good Housekeeping Institute that tests all of the appliances as well as all of the food stuff as well the labels that you see in the supermarket the tried and tested labels features is probably the broadest one in terms of content but we a good way of thinking about it is features is very much 
a kind of read. So it will be a specific story about something, you know, a two-page story. More more words than pictures and captions is what I would say. And what about your online section is that completely different team i know so many people get confused about this yeah they're also separate um good housekeeping have actually to make it even more confusing good housekeeping have now merged the online and print team so we sit with them so they're still a separate team but we're more we're a bit more collaborative um and it's kind of more of a 360 approach than it used to be that's not the case across all the brands in hearse though um so prima and red are still completely separate but again you know if you get the wrong person, we we know who the right person is, so we can always forward emails on. And it's totally different content, isn't it? That's commissioned. Yeah. yeah. And uh, how would you describe the online? I mean, I would describe it as more news, celebrity news. Yeah. I mean, is it's obviously right? what's happening now. Is yeah, not necessarily celebrities, but you know, galleries of different things. Um, for example, recently that Zara dress that was going crazy, oh, stuff like right. that. You know, things that are very much in the now being talked about now because obviously we're a monthly so we plan probably about three months ahead we've got january meetings coming up soon so december content is all decided wow. and we're having our january planning meetings in the next few weeks Scary. yeah content. do you do the other way around though do you put some of the features that have been in the magazine online yeah sometimes yeah it, it kind of depends if we think it's going to add anything if we think it's going to get online traction so let's get on to uh my favorite bit of the podcast podcast which is where we talk about pitches yeah. you must get pitched to a lot yeah. by PRs and freelancers so what are some of the pitfalls the common pitfalls that people do that are maybe a little bit frustrating should we say one of the main things actually is people not knowing the brand you know Really, it sounds basic, but doing your research is so important on the brand, knowing what the demographic is, who is the red woman, who is the good housekeeping woman, how are they different, just really getting a sense of who that person is that picks up that magazine in the supermarket or wherever they buy it. If you send me a case study of someone who's 21 for good housekeeping, it's not going to happen. We don't have any 21-year-old readers. You know, perhaps we've got daughters who pick up their mother's copies, but we generally that's not the core demographic. The, the average age of a good housekeeping reader is 55. It's just basic things like that, really, just really knowing who that person is. When it comes to case studies, for example, you're pitching somebody who started their own business or has achieved something incredible and you think they'd work well in one of our lineups. Just the basic information. So an outline about obviously what the person's done. Also, we will always ask for a picture for our planning meetings. So rather than to save me coming back saying, please, can you send me a headshot? Send me a headshot. That would be really handy. And basic information such as their age, where they live. It's amazing how quite often the sort of basic details are missed out. And even if it's a really good story, I will then have to come back asking for yeah. more information, which is fine. Um, but obviously, a well-rounded pitch would have all of that in it to start with. Yes. Not too long, but also not too short. <laughs> so, you know, I need more than two sentences, but also I don't need... I actually, sometimes people will send me a Word document attachment with like three pages worth of information and I don't have time to leave yeah, through that. nobody so, does. No, so so a good balance between those two things. Yeah. 
So yeah, pitch with plenty of time as well. As I mentioned earlier, we work about three months in advance. So if someone emails me now, actually it is happening now. PR's emailing me saying, oh, I know it's I know it's quite early, but can I pitch you something for Christmas? And I'm having to reply saying, actually, it's not too early. It's too late, I'm afraid. Yeah. Just give plenty of time. Even if you think it's completely crazy that you're pitching for Christmas in June, July, better to get in there early I would say because if you're too early I can hold on to it but if you're too late I can't do anything following up pitches that's fine Um, I know people often ask about you know whether it's whether it's okay to send that follow up email or I would avoid phone calls to be honest we don't tend to we don't tend to really use the phones as much as we used to as I don't think anyone does so in terms of following up, a quick a quick email would be much more, it's easier to kind of reply quickly to an email. And I think you're more likely to get a reply if you email rather than phoning. Seems um, a bit rude these days, the phone, isn't it? Because it's like cutting through the queue, I always think. I know, yeah. I mean, I don't mind it personally, but it's, it is, you could get us at the wrong time where we're right on deadline and we kind of don't have time to answer the phone. That's why an email, I think, would I'd always recommend an email. And if you are following up don't do it too soon afterwards particularly because we're monthly so if you pitch something and then email me a week later chances are we haven't had a meeting so I don't know the answer so I'll I'll just have to reply saying not sure yet so give us enough time to actually like I'd say give at least three weeks before you send that follow-up email yeah because otherwise we might not be able to add anything yeah now if someone um, suggest something for say Prima and you think that's nah, not suitable for Prima but it might be suitable for Red yeah. do you always have that in mind? Yes or, Yes. Yeah, yeah, always. I mean I work across all three brands so it depends who you email. Um, I'm sort of the top tier of people that work across all three so when you go above me to the features editors they work just on their one brand so but they but we're quite collaborative as a team so they often will say oh I don't want this do you want it and they'll say yes and then pass it on so we do work in that way we are quite collaborative would you ever sort of penalize anyone for if they just contacted you a bit lazily and said this could be suitable for any of your three titles mm. would that be a bit would you still look at their pitch I would look at it but I wouldn't believe them because the magazines are so different that it, there's nothing I can think of that would necessarily unless it was like a celebrity interview that would be suitable for all three yeah. now how much have you in your role used content f- from PRs whether that's a case study or whether it's just an idea that's been sparked for them how often does it materialize that a PR will send you a story idea or press release or whatever and it comes to fruition in the magazine well case studies all the time because obviously every month we have those those slots those real like the business slots and also the sort of more general real life slots about women overcoming things or doing something amazing um you know achieving their dreams things like that any kinds of PRs, to be honest, whether it's like charity PR or whether it's someone, uh, a real life story that kind of hooks to a particular product. We're not, as, as long as the story's good, you know, we can always credit things. So if it's something, if it's, even if it's slightly tenuous, if the, if it's hooked to something, we can, we can credit like a website or a product or whatever. So case studies is probably the main one for the titles that I work across. What about experts? You know, if you get these business coaches or mm. personal trainers or people like that, that uh, they haven't necessarily got an interesting story and in that there's no news line, but they might be a great person to bring in from for a quote if you're ever visiting that topic. Yeah. How useful is it if people get in touch and say, so-and-so would be a great 
commentator on this? I think it's useful, but only if it relates to something I'm already working on. I mean, chances are, as I say, I put things away. So say there was like, I don't know, a divorce coach. That's quite a common one. People email me or blah, 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 can provide a quote on divorce, you know, divorce rates or something. And I'll say, okay, great. And I'll put them in, in my folder. And then when it comes to next time we cover divorce, then I'll, I might have a light bulb moment and think, oh, hang on a minute. I've got an expert for this. So... It is worth it, but I think the best way is if I'm looking for an expert, I will put out a call out. So either on Twitter or through a response source or through charity comms, I will put out a call out for specific things like that. So the best thing to do for that, from I mean, from my obviously can't speak for everyone, but for me is to look out for specific call outs when it comes to experts. Yeah. And on that subject, that I'm great. I'm really glad you raised that because those call outs on places like response source, mm. you know, I've heard that you just get deluged with um, responses. I mean, as a PR, I sometimes respond to myself. Yeah. So what tracks your attention? Is it literally first come, first served? Or do you go through them all? Is there a better way of contacting you through mm. there? No, I mean, I go through them all. It's definitely not first come, first serve. It's always the story first. You know, it's the quality rather than the speed of who replies first. Um, obviously, there is always a deadline attached to it. So if they pass the deadline, then there's probably no point. You know, people will email me two weeks later and I've already found someone and, got yeah. and interviewed them probably. Um, so, yeah, I think, the. I mean, really, the best way of attracting my attention is for it to be relevant to what I'm talking about. I mean, one thing that that is really not very helpful is if someone will eat, I'll send a specific request and someone will reply to me saying, this isn't quite what you're looking for, but, and it's amazing that does happen quite a lot of times and you think, but that's not what I was looking for. Uh, so could you give me uh, an example of, first of all, a really good pitch that's worked, either from a PR or for a freelancer that you've had recently that was either spot on or just different in some way? Mm. So the one that crossed my mind is the one that I've been doing the most recently. So we're currently writing the November issue. Um, and for Red, I was looking for something quite specific. I was looking for a woman who w was willing to talk about having sex after breast cancer. So it's a, a health piece, right. very specific. And it was actually through, it was through a charity. Um, and the, the pitch was just perfect so it had a picture a little headshot of the woman it had a little kind of bold headline explaining you know a top line explaining um how this woman had got her femininity back and then it explained it more in about five or six paragraphs and all the information was there how old she was her story and a bit of kind of sense of who this woman was quotes as well because it gave, it gives a real sense of their voice and you know you can tell whether someone will be a good interviewee and on this occasion we just thought yep yeah, straight away so that's probably my most recent example that yeah. comes to mind and the publicity value for her is that she gets her business mentioned well the charity uh, the charity yeah yeah, yeah the charity uh, and are there any final tips or observations you want to make that or bits of advice for either PRs, freelancers, or just anyone that wants to get into the press? I would say it's always worth a try. You know, if there's something that you have an inkling, it will work in, one, in a particular title, always worth an email. 
Don't get the person's name wrong, though. Someone pitched um, something saying the title of the email was a pitch for, and then it wasn't my name, it was one of my colleagues' oh. names. Um, or don't get the title of the magazine. Definitely, if you're going to pitch to Good Housekeeping, don't say that it's for women and home. That whatever you do, definitely don't put... Even if you have already pitched <laughs> the same thing to women and home, make sure you triple-check that email and that you've changed the title of the magazine. It's it's kind of simple things like that, really. Um but I'd say always give it a go because, you know, what, well, the worst that can happen is we say no and that's not the end of the world. Yeah. So it's worth giving we? it a go. OK, Ella Dove, thanks so much for Thank joining me. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Media Insider, the podcast helping PRs, journalists and anyone who wants to raise their media profile. Please do share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're in PR and you need some skills training or you're a professional and you want to raise your own profile, then do drop me a line either on Twitter or through HelenCroydon.com. <laughs>